when I was a teenager, my father decided that uh, he wanted stones around our pond. We had a large pond at our house. And stones being fairly expensive, and my father being fairly cheap, he thought of an alternate plan. Uh, he had me and my brother, uh, when we were teenagers, pick stones out of a farmer's field uh, for several summers in a row, most days. The farmer got the stones out of the fields for free, which he liked because it didn't hurt his equipment, and then my dad got all the stones. There is not much more mindless work than picking stones out of a field. I can remember just being in these soybean fields with a pitchfork. You find a stone, you throw it on the trailer. Find a stone, throw it on the trailer. Do this for a couple hours, and my arms would be really sore. And even worse than that, my mind was like void. I felt like a zombie. I'd done all this work, and all I had to show for it was this pile of rocks. I hated that feeling. There's, you know, it reminds me of another feeling I hate. It reminds me of a feeling of spiritual emptiness. Have you ever felt spiritual emptiness? Like you're a spiritual zombie? I feel that way sometimes. Spiritually exhausted spiritually void. Maybe you've had times in your life when you felt that way. Maybe you're in a time like that right now. God seems far away. Your faith seems faint. Just this void. If you're like me, it's, it's like you're going along and you, you realize, you look up, you realize there's this gap. And God's on the other side of the gap. And you're like, oh, how'd that happen? And then you think, I've got to get over to God's side. So you do, you say, I've got to do some, some things. I've got to do some Christian things. Um, what's Christian things? Uh, read the Bible. I could read the Bible. I could get over to God's side. I, I could pray more. I, I can go to church more and, and do some, some, some good things. And that, that'll get me over to God's side. Then you try to do this. And you find, if you're like me, you don't have any motivation. This spiritual emptiness has depleted you of the will to get over there. And it stinks. So how do we handle times of spiritual emptiness? What do we do when we find ourselves in that place? That's what I'd like to look at this morning. We're going to look at a, a prayer that Paul prayed to a group of believers in Ephesus. We're going to see God's plan for spiritual emptiness, his remedy, his cure. And we're going to look at how we can think about that when we face those times, because we'll face those times. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to be starting at verse 14. If you've got the Pew Bible in front of you, it's on page 977. Ephesians 3, starting in verse 14. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power, through his spirit in your inner being. The answer to spiritual emptiness is found with God's power. When we find ourselves in a place of the spiritual void, we have to look to the power of God. It's interesting, in this passage, Paul starts, he says, for this reason, to points to the previous passage. Paul had just laid out this whole case that, that he was being uniquely used by God to reveal this new thing, this new thing called the church. 
that God's plan was not simply you know, for his people, the people of Israel, the Jews only, but the plan was bigger now. So there's this new thing we call the church, the Jews and Gentiles together for God's plan. And Paul says, you know, because there's this new thing, um, and because I'm the revealer of it, I'm going to pray for the church. And he alludes to this further. He, he says, you know, I bow my knees before the Father. Then he takes a pause to explain why do we call God Father. He says, Father, who is the Father of all? Uh, Paul is making a little bit of a word play. The word for family that you see here, uh, every family in heaven on earth, that word family is uh, a very similar in Greek to the word for father. God is the father of all. He's the father of the Jews. He's the father of the Gentiles. He's the father of every nation, of every people group, of every tribe, of every family. He's the father. God is the father of all. We'll see that Paul uses this this language of the household and the home throughout this passage. So Paul prays for the church because God's the father of all. And what does he pray? He prays, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Paul prays that these people would be strengthened. Strengthened, How? what kind of strength is he talking about? He's talking about spiritual strength, the inner man, strength in the soul, right? But what's really interesting here is how uh, he proposes these believers are going to get this strength. It's going to come through the spirit, according to to the riches of his glory. What Paul's basically saying is, he's saying, God, I ask that you would strengthen these Ephesian believers in their spirit using all of your resources, your vast resources, not theirs. I think this is really important to remember when we come to times of spiritual emptiness, that God is going to strengthen us with his strength. He's not asking us, hey, you guys better start strengthening yourselves. He supplies the strength. And this should come as no surprise. Whenever God enters any sort of relationship with people, we find that God's the initiator. God's the one who starts it out, right? When we come to to God in salvation, it's him who draws us to him, right? There was a book uh, I saw one time in a bookstore. I was walking through the bookstore. I see this book, and the book's title was The God Chasers. And I looked at that, wow. That's what I want to be, a God chaser. Then I thought about it. And I thought, if you're chasing God, what does that mean? How are you going to catch God? Why is he running away from you? You see, that doesn't make any sense. God, we don't chase God. I don't have anything in me that wants to chase God. God chases us. He supplies his power, his strength to us. So when we find these times when we lack the motivation, we lack, we lack the will, God is the one who's going to do that. God's going to supply the motivation. God's going to convict us of sin. It's going to be his power according to his vast riches of glory. Wow. In times of spiritual emptiness, we need to look for God's power, not our own. Paul continues his prayer. Verse 17, it says, So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. The answer to spiritual emptiness is Christ indwelling love. 
When we are spiritually vacant, we can look for Christ's indwelling love. So Paul is basically saying, hey, when you're strengthened, when God supplies you the strength, what's going to happen? He says that, that, that Christ is going to indwell your hearts. The word for indwell is that same, he's using that same imagery of the home. It means that Christ is going to take up residence in your heart. Christ is going to be at home in your heart. Now when I think of this, and I say Christ is going to be at, should be at home in my heart, I think, oh, I've got to clean up my heart. Because if Christ is coming over, you know, I've, I've got to tidy my life. I've, I've got to get things in order if he's going to be at home in my heart. I remember a few years ago, Laura had a friend, and her friend would come to visit sometimes, and Laura, being a very good host, would, would clean the house, would tidy up. And her friend said, you know, I don't want you to clean the house when I come over. I, I don't want you to do that. It's not only because I don't want you to go to the trouble of cleaning the house. I want to be the sort of friend, I want to have the type of relationship with you where you feel you don't have to clean your house. I can just come, I'm part of your life. The mess and all. That's what Christ wants. Your heart's a dirty place. He wants to dwell in it. Mess and all. You may think, how can Christ, who's, who's God, who's perfect, dwell in my dirty heart? Well, the, the answer is through the gospel. It says that uh, dwell in your hearts through faith. Because if you've come to faith in Christ, remember, Paul is writing this to believers. These Ephesians, Ephesians, he's not writing this so these people would come to know Christ, but they already know Christ. So because of the gospel, the blood of Christ has covered that dirtiness in your heart. Christ can dwell in your heart because he's already paid for those sins. He's already paid that debt. He can be at home there now, messing all. What happens when, when Christ dwells in our hearts? That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. He says, listen, you already have a foundation of love. That, that word grounded, again, is that same house imagery. It's the foundation. You already have the gospel. You already have a foundation of Christ's love, right? John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. This is the gospel passage we use, right? It's the foundation of love. He says, because you already have this foundation of love, when Christ comes to dwell in you, you can comprehend speaks of sort of head knowledge, and know, just sort of speaks of experiential knowledge, experience-type knowledge, the love of Christ. And and Paul uses these words about measuring the love of Christ, the the height, the depth, the width, the length. You get this idea that, that Christ's love is so vast, it's unmeasurable, it's infinite. And we get to know that, we get to comprehend that. The tricky thing for me to believe about Christ's love is that Christ loves me completely right now. I like sometimes to think that Christ loves some future version of Lee Owens, who's a better Lee Owens, more. That if I was a little better, if I was a little less sinful, that Christ would love me more. This is wrong. Christ loves me completely right now. He loves me in spite of my sin, in spite of my screw-ups. When I'm spiritually empty, Christ loves me. 
When I'm far from God, Christ loves me completely. He can't love me anymore. Christ is also not manipulative with his love. See, sometimes when I think about Christ's love, I do this. I said, Christ loves me very much, comma, so I should, this is wrong. Christ isn't manipulative. He's not up in heaven saying, listen, look how much I loved you. Can't you at least do this for me? He's not, you know, that, that isn't. Christ loves you very much, period, end of sentence. He loves you completely right now, period. And it's awesome. Sometimes when we think about this, some people say, oh, well, this is, this is, that's not right. Because sin, you know, what about sin? My son lately, Asa, sometimes has trouble taking a nap in the middle of the day. He doesn't want to take the nap. Laura and I love Asa very much. We know that if he has a nap, the rest of his day is going to go immensely better. He's not going to be cranky. He's going to be happier. He's going to have more fun. And we love Asa, so we want him to be happy and to have fun and not to be cranky. We want him to have a good time. That's why we want him to nap. This is the same with God. God loves us. He wants the best for us. He knows that sin is going to prevent that. So it's not that God is up there, do this, do that, do that. No. God isn't on some power trip. He created the universe. He's got nothing to prove. He loves you immensely. He wants the best for you. That's why he, doesn't, he wants you to avoid sin. Because it's going to screw a lot of things up. And he doesn't want to see that because he loves you immensely. God, the love of Christ is not permissive of sin. But the love of Christ is why God doesn't want to keep you from sin. The answer to spiritual emptiness is the indwelling love of Christ. Sometimes it's good to, comp- to think about, to contemplate the love of Christ. To, to, to say, you know, what is my view of the love of Christ? Do I put a comma where God put a period? Do I think that God is reserving his love, that it is not all the way there? That there's some future version of me that God loves more? And when we comprehend the love of Christ we find that uh, we can't stop. The love of Christ surpasses knowledge. It's so big. It's so vast. It's so measureless. He loves you so, so much right now. The answer to spiritual emptiness is the indwelling love of Christ. Paul goes on that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. What's the result of this experience with Christ's love? You'll be filled up. Filled up with what? The fullness of God. What does that mean? It literally means like filled up with everything that God's going to fill you up with. It's like being filled up with God-fillingness. It's as if Paul's saying, listen, when you have an encounter with Christ's love... When you know and experience that, what God's going to do is he's going to fill you with every good thing, every blessing, everything he's promised. He's going to put it all in. He's going to pour it up, and you're going to have all of it. You're going to be full, to the brim type full. See, the answer to spiritual emptiness is God alone. 
It's God alone. It's like a ladder, this passage, right? You start out, it says, Paul prays for strength, right? Sort of like step one, that they would be strengthened in their spirit. And then the next thing, because they're strengthened, they can be indwelled. Step two, um, indwelled by Christ. And then since they're indwelled by Christ, they can know and experience the love of Christ. Step three. And then because they know and experience the love of Christ, they can be filled with the fullness of Christ. Step four, the top of the ladder, the top of the staircase. But what's interesting is up this whole staircase, it, God's the one who's climbing it, not us. You see, because it was, it was his strength. It was his indwelling. It was his love. You don't see your love, your indwelling, your strength. Buckle up, get the, your act together. All you see is the Father providing the Son and the Spirit. A good sermon is supposed to have application. I'm supposed to tell you what you should do. And I just told you you can't do anything. So this has put me in a bad spot. So I'm not going to tell you. I'm going to tell you three things you need to stop doing. When you face uh, periods of spiritual emptiness, there's three things you need to stop to not do. First of all, you need to stop thinking that you're going the solution to your spiritual emptiness. It isn't about buckling up. It is, you're not going to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You can't, you can't do it on your own. I don't care what you're doing. You can be praying, you can be reading, you can be doing charitable things. You can't do it. It's not going to be in your power, it's going to be in God's power. So stop thinking that you're, going, that you're the solution. Second thing. Stop thinking you need to clean up your life for Christ to indwell it. Even as believers we do this. We think, well, well if God's going to use me, if, if, if God's going to get me out of this, I've got, I got to tidy things up here. Right? And then you, the problem is you'll never get enough conviction to do it. You don't have the power to do that. That's why Christ comes in. He wants to be part of your life, right where you are right now. Mess and all. The third thing. Stop thinking that the love of Christ is limited. It's reserved. That, he, that he's holding back. He loves you completely right now. And then Paul writes, we'll be filled with all the fullness of God. That's amazing. We looked at uh, this prayer of Paul's. I think we can pray this prayer for us. I think that when we're in times of spiritual emptiness, We need to ask God to do the work that only he can do, to fill the hole that only he can fill. 